All right, we are in John chapter 1 this morning, as Brother Jim read, and I mentioned in Sunday school. And this morning, I need you to put your thinking caps on. There's a lot here this morning, not a lot in time frame-wise, hopefully not. If you, uh, if, if you uh, help me out and respond properly, I can move along quicker, and I don't have to act or have the thought as if you didn't understand it and go back and try to make sure you understand it. And uh, I've already mentioned that in the past. Don't need to rehash that, do we? We remember what your role is, right? Help me get through this thing quickly. And yeah, see, you know. All right. Amen. Amen. All right. We're in John chapter 1, but not in length. But listen, this is there is a lot here when we listen, our our finite minds cannot plumb the depths of God. It's not possible. And here we have the revealed word of God and revealed to us who Jesus Christ is. And listen, we can we can dig and dig and dig and dig and dig into this word and never come to the bottom of who God is. And so this morning we really need to get our get our brain in gear and I want you to think about a few things this morning as we get to the place of understanding who is Jesus Christ. And like many times before Jesus had uh was had been talking to his disciples and and he asked them a question and this time he was over at Caesarea Philippi and he asked and he said, "Whom do men say that I, the son of man, am?" Remember that question? And uh, some said, well, some say you're, you're, you're Elijah. Some say you're the prophet. Some say you're this. And Jesus said, but whom say ye that I am? And if you remember, uh, Peter uh, piped up and he said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, that's right, Peter. And flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, to you but my Father, which is in heaven, has revealed this uh, to you. And can I tell you, this is a question that much of the world cannot answer. Who is Jesus Christ? They can't answer that question. And there's a few reasons for this. Number one, they've never heard of Him. Do you realize there are millions upon millions upon millions who have never heard the name of Jesus Christ? And it's our responsibility to spread the gospel throughout all the world, where we are from our Jerusalem to Judea, our Samaria, and into the uttermost part of the world. But, but, but don't be afraid. Man still has no excuse before God when they reject the light that they have. You see, God has given us a conscience, and God has given us um, a creation to know primarily that there is a God, that there is a power above us who who is in control of everything. I had a friend I've witnessed to for years, on and off, and he came to this point, and he finally said, I don't agree that there's, I don't disagree that there's not a higher power. I just don't believe he is who you say he is. Fair enough. And that's where much of the world is. They, they cannot deny there's something bigger than them in this universe. They just deny Jesus Christ because they don't want to believe him. I was witnessing to a lady on a job site, another muralist, and I, I find this hilarious in some ways, but uh, by, by no means was she a Christian, and I was witnessing to her while we were working, and a very intelligent woman. And uh, I said, have you read the Koran? Oh, yes, I've, I've read parts of the Koran. Have you read the Bible? No, not really. I said, let me ask you this. Why is it that I can say Muhammad and nothing inside bothers you? But the moment I say Jesus Christ, something inside went, oh, and cinched up in you and you didn't like it. She goes, 
Oh, um, oh, uh, oh, boy, I don't know. Uh, hmm. <laughs> she was sweating. <laughs> I'm serious. As I talked to her, conviction. Why? Because it's the name of Jesus Christ that brings conviction that we know this is very God. And she didn't like that. Much of the world may not have heard the name of Jesus Christ, but they know there's a God. They know there's a God by creation. They know that there's a God by their conscience. And when they, when they respond to the light that they have, God obligates himself and reveals to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they either reject the person of Jesus Christ or they receive him. But all the world will come under judgment. All the world knows that there is a God, but millions have not heard the name Jesus Christ. There are millions that have heard, but they're just not interested. That's another problem. The million, they have heard the name of Jesus Christ. They just don't care. Remember when Paul was, was witnessing to Felix, and uh, the Bible says he trembled, and he told Paul, go away for this time. Just go away for now. And, I, and, and when I have a convenient season, I'll call for you again. When I have a better time to deal with this, I'll deal with it. But I don't want to deal with it right now. That's much of the world. They know of Jesus. They just don't want to deal with him right now. And then there are those that have heard, but they've come to the wrong answer. They've heard of Jesus. They know well of Jesus even, but they've come to the wrong conclusion of who Jesus is. Islam believes that Jesus was just a prophet, just a teacher. That's it. Not God. Mormons believe that Jesus, listen to this, is the brother of Satan. And we'll see today that that's impossible. It's an impossibility. For Jesus to be the brother of Satan. And uh, if you want to know that Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus is Michael the archangel. No, they know who Jesus is. They can tell you well about Jesus throughout the Bible. But they come to the wrong conclusion of who he is. Too much in Catholicism, Jesus, Jesus shares the redeeming power with Mary. She is co-redemptrix or co-mediator, even though the Bible says that there's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ, Jesus. I read of a man just this morning who uh, said, hey, he went from his uh, evangelical roots into Anglicanism. Anglicanism, I think that's the way to say it. Essentially, the Anglican church is Catholicism in England. And he said he was praying and meditating one morning, and he had always sensed the presence of God at times as a male, but this morning he sensed the presence as a woman. And there was a monk that was that in, in, the, uh, in the, the, the abbey or wherever he was living, in the, in the monastery, and he says, oh, that's Mary. That's Mary. No, it wasn't. That was a demon. <laughs> There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And many in this world have come face to face with the man, Jesus of Nazareth, but few have come to not only know who he is, but few have come to know him personally. Either they don't want to, either they just don't understand, or either they have a wrong, completely wrong idea of who he is. So as we begin this series through the book of John, we're going to know, we are going to know who Jesus is. And we're going to see what it looks like to know Him personally. Can you know Jesus personally? Yeah, many of us in this room say yes. Absolutely. We know Him this morning. So what we see from our text this morning, number one, and listen, it is the person of Jesus Christ that separates all of the cults and the religions of the world. They all divide. They all divide on who Jesus is, every one of them. 
And we're not against these people. They need the gospel. Just like you and I needed the gospel. Just like we were lost in our sins and bound for hell and needed the gospel of Jesus Christ, so do they. And if we would have the compassion and the heart of Jesus Christ, who supposedly lives in us, if we're a believer, we would seek them with the same passion and love that Jesus sought them. It's not, they're not enemies. They're not an enemy of, of us or not the enemy of Christ. They need to be saved. And they need the gospel. Amen? Amen. Number one, Jesus is God. <laughs> Jesus is God. We see this in John 1.1. 1, 1. He says, number one, how is He God? Because He's the Word. Look at this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That Greek word, Word, W-O-R-D there, means logos. It's the Greek word logos. And it means something said, including thought. You ever have thoughts that you don't say? Well, you know why your thoughts are are judged? Because thoughts don't have to be said to be wrong. (laughs) You say, well, my mother used to, my my sister would get this look on her face, and my mother one time would say, you can think it, but you better not say it. (laughs) You know what Jesus says? You know what? Your Your thoughts are under judgment too. Why? Because it's a word. It's a, so it's something said, including thought. The word here, logos, means divine thought, reasoning, or motive. My mind has human thoughts. Your mind has human thoughts. We have human reasoning. We have human motives. And eventually, some of those thoughts become audible words, like right now. They're audible words. But God, too, has thoughts. God, too, has reasoning. God, too, has motive. But they are divine thoughts. They are divine reasoning. They are divine motives. Unlike our words, think of this. God's words can create. Ours cannot. We do not have creative power. I'm sorry. There are some Word of Faith Pentecostals that believe that their their words have the power. and, And if they just say the right words, power of positive thinking, if they just say the right words... Things can come into existence. That's not prob- that's not that's not biblical, and actually, it's rather blasphemous. And you're making yourself an, a, a, a god, and it's idolatry. Yeah, you, we don't have that power. We don't have creative power. Only God has creative power. Yeah, and God said, "Let there be light." Give it a whirl. Try it right now. See if you can do it. <laughs> Can't do it. It's not possible. God's word has active power. Active power. Unlike our words that only possess the ability to communicate, God's word has the ability to speak things into existence or or cause things that have existed to cease to be. If he doesn't want something there, he can remove it. Remember what Daniel said to Nebuchadnezzar? Son, the God in whose hand thy breath is and are all thy ways, hast thou not glorified? Your very breath is in the hand of God and he can say, done. And you know what? We're done. (laughs) There's nothing you can do about it. You're done. The human mind is immaterial. Our brain is not our mind. Our mind is is where our our thoughts are. It's who we are. And our, our mind is immaterial, and it has no ability to think things into existence. Well, so too is the mind of God. It's immaterial. God is immaterial. God is spirit. You got your thinking caps on here? You're going to start smoking here in a minute. 
you know, your mind, your the gears in your brain. We're not pulling out a pack of camels. I'm not talking about that, but <laughs> hear this on a recording sometimes. Like, what are they doing in there? Yeah. The mind of God is immaterial, but when God's thoughts become decrees, worlds and universes come into existence. <laughs> God's mind is creative power. And this is why Jesus is called the Word of God. He's the very Word of God. Jesus, watch this, Jesus is the mind of God wrapped in human flesh. Jesus is the divine expression of the Father. Jesus said to remember what he told Philip. Philip says, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. And Jesus said, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Remember what he told over to the over to the Pharisees at one time? I and my Father are one. <laughs> yeah. So by calling Jesus the Word of God, we're saying that Jesus is God. Think about it this way. I'm, here's your way to think about it. See if your mind is as weird as mine is. I think Jim's is. Jim, you're, you're running. You're running close. We we are on the same wavelength way too many times. It's like Jim, we're a bunch of weirdos, man. Or else everybody else is and we're normal. We're normal, aren't we? Amen. That's right. That's right. You know, every word that proceeds out of your mouth is a human word. We communicate on a human level. Okay, here's where it gets weird. Every word that proceeds from a bird is the word of a bird. No, animals communicate with each other. That noise that comes out of that beak well, the vocal cords, and then out through the beak. That's a word of a bird. <laughs> it is. And they, you know, no, listen, you, you can go, I'm not communicating with a bird. It might sound like it. And I guarantee they know I'm not. They're like, what on earth was that? <laughs> I'm convinced they communicate with their creator on a far different level than we do. Every word that proceeds from a bird is the word of a bird. Every word that proceeds out of a fish is the word of a fish. A word of a fish talk, yeah, they communicate. You ever heard that? Like sounds of whales underwater? Yeah. Sonar, all these things that, that, that's going on. That is the word of a fish. You, okay, so we see. You, you see where I'm going? Word of a human. Word of a bird. Word of a fish. Word of a dog. Word of a cow. You can do that all day long to them and they'll just look at you. They don't, they're like, you're not saying nothing, buddy. There's no communication going on there. Even when a, you teach a bird to talk, human words, they're not communicating with reason and thought on a human level. They're just mimicking. Now, they can get kind of weird and get close and put things together and it kind of creeps you out. But they're not. They're not. Watch this. Every word that proceeds out of the mind of God is God. And Jesus is called, watch this, the Word of God. Which can only mean He is God Himself. Yeah. Notice what else our verse says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now notice this about the Word. The Word, look at this, in the beginning was. I love this. In the, the word beginning, of course, is, is at the front, at the beginning. There is nothing before it. But after that word beginning, he says, in the beginning was, that is a past tense word. Jesus was before the beginning. Why? Because he created it all. How can you create everything if you started after it? Not possible. This is why Jesus cannot be the brother of Satan. 
Because he created everything. And how is he going to create his own brother who is not God? <laughs> not possible. Yeah. So he's before the beginning. First, we see this in verse 2. The same was in the beginning with God. Look at, he is with God, but notice this also in verse 3. Uh, in all things, uh, I'm sorry, verse 2, the same was in the beginning with God. Yes, I'm sorry, verse 3. And all things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. Go back up to verse 1. I finally found it. And the word was God. There it is. Found it. He was before the beginning. He was with God. And the Bible says he was God. Jesus is the word. Of God, And not only that, he's the creator. I just read in verse 3, he created everything there was. We see in Genesis 1-1, the Bible says God created the heaven and the earth. And here in John 1-1, we see that Jesus is the word. In verse 3, he spoke everything into existence. So we hear, see here in John chapter 1, that the Holy Spirit of God is pulling back the curtains of creation and allowing everyone to see that when the Bible says that God created the heaven and the earth, the Creator was Jesus Christ. He was Jesus Christ. Now, can, can I tell you this? If you cannot believe that God created the heaven and the earth, if you are here today and you continue to believe in the hypothesis, it's it's not, a, as one told me quite well, It is not evolution is not even a theory. It doesn't even come up to the level of a theory. It's a hypothesis. If you still believe in the hypothesis of evolution and you reject that God created in the heaven and the earth, I'm telling you, you cannot be saved because you're rejecting the very work of the, the God who you say you're trusting in. It's not possible. You can't, you, know, you can't reject the entirety of someone's works and yet retain a relationship with them. Because what you're doing when you reject the works of Jesus Christ, you're rejecting His deity. God is the one who is the Savior. And if Jesus is not God, you have no Savior. Does that make sense? Oh, does that make sense? Okay, I'm going to have to go back. I better not. He was the Creator. Jesus is the Creator. Look at verse 4. He is life. He's the Word. He's the Creator. Verse 4, He's life. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the physical human body of Jesus resided life itself because God is life. Do you know what takes life to produce life? You and I, we don't have creative power because we're not life. We, are, we have been created by God who is life, but we are not life. <laughs> we have life, but we are not the source of life. Only God is. And the only way Jesus could have created the universe was if he was life. And the Bible says right here in our, our text John, that he is life. In John five twenty five, the Bible says, For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. John eleven twenty five, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were yet dead, yet shall he live. Listen, you yoke up with Jesus, you know what you're going to get? Life. Why? Because he is life. <laughs> he is life. John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto me, unto the Father, I'm sorry, but by me. Just as God is his attributes, just as God is his attributes, Jesus is saying, by saying that Jesus is life, what we are saying is that Jesus not only is life or has life, but he is the source of life. 
God is His attributes. God is love. God is power. God is God is all knowledge. God, God is omnipotent. He's everything. He is those things. He doesn't do those things. We, we give Him those attributes because that's who He is. God is love. God is light. God is life. And so if Jesus is life, He is the source of life. John 1 and verse 4. John 10, 27 through 28. Listen to what Jesus says about this life. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Do you know it's not possible for us to give eternal life to anything? How can Jesus give eternal life? Because God's life is eternal, because God is eternal. Is your brain working? Is it smoking? Yeah. He says, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Why? Because we're not life and we cannot, we cannot uh, end. We, can, we have no power over the eternal life, which is God. <laughs> that is a hallelujah, folks. Like your sin has more power over life? It's not possible. Not only is he life, but he's light. Jesus is light. Look at verses 4 and 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And that light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Jesus was light. In 1 John 1, 1 and verse 5, 1 John wrote, this, John wrote this, But this then is the message which we have heard of him, and declared unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. He's light. God is light, right? There's no darkness. He's holy. He's without sin. John 9, 5. Jesus said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And in John 8, 12, it says, the Bible says, Jesus spake unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. So Jesus is life. Jesus is light. Jesus is the creator. Listen, Jesus is God. I think we can agree with that, right? Listen to Hebrews 1, 8, my favorite, one of my favorite verses. It says, but unto the Son he saith, God the Father is speaking, unto the Son he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. Did you catch that? The Father called the Son God. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Listen to Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of uh, the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen to 1 Timothy 2.3, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. So wait, God is our Savior, right? Listen to Isaiah 45.21, tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from the ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? Is, and, I'm sorry, and there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Now, if our Savior is God, which I think the Word of God has established this, if our Savior is God and Jesus is our Savior, ta-da, Jesus is God, right? Amen. No, we need to be equipped with this, believer. Because this is the dividing line of all religions of the world. The person of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is God. But John was just a man. Do you see this? 
John was just a man. You know, in Luke chapter 1, Luke gives us the record of John's birth, a little lengthier record, to his birth to Zacharias and Elizabeth. And if you remember, Zacharias was a priest, and he and Elizabeth uh, had no children. They were up in their, up in age by now. And while Zacharias was in doing his duties and within the temple, an angel came to Zacharias while he was doing his job. And, and he told him that he and Elizabeth, that Elizabeth was going to have a son. And he said, you're going to call his name John. And he's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. And he's going to go before the Messiah. And he's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. And how you, you might say, well, we, we know what John did. We said, how would he prepare the way for the Messiah? What is he preparing? Well, he was preparing people for the Messiah. What happened with John? Repentance and the baptism of John. So when Jesus came and started his church, what did he take? Baptized, regenerate, saved people. The first disciples had been saved and baptized under the message of John, under the ministry of John, who had his authority from heaven. God gave him the authority. And he started, Jesus started his first church with baptized, regenerate membership. John was making the way, paving the way for the Messiah. And six months before Jesus was born, John was born from the union between Zacharias and Elizabeth. John was a man after the nature of Adam, his father. He was just a man. He was sent from God. Look at verse 6. This, there was a man sent from God whose name was was John. Now, now put your thinking caps on. Jesus is God. We've established this. Jesus created all things. We've established this. So John is a part of Jesus' creation, isn't he? He's a man. Therefore, John was sent by Jesus to prepare the way before him. And so John acknowledges this in verses 27 of chapter 1. Verses uh, 15 of chapter 1 and verses 30. Look at verse 15. Look what John says. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Wait, that makes no sense. Jesus was six months younger. Before Abraham was, he told the Pharisees, I am. <laughs> Why? Because this is the eternal God, the second person of the Godhead, the Creator, who is standing in front of them, saying, I am he. And John says, this is who I'm testifying of. Look at verse 27. He it is who's, who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latch it I am not worthy to unloose. Look at verse 30. This is he of whom I said, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. So John was sent from God in verse 6, and John was a witness to Jesus in verse 7. Look at this. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. In John 1.29, John said, Behold the Lamb of God. He directed everybody in his audience to Jesus Christ. Well, hey, there he is. There's the Lamb. No, we've been sacrificing lambs for 4,000 years. We've been, we've been uh, shedding the blood of lambs, but I'm telling you, We've been bringing our own lambs that we have raised up and, and, and made sure there was no blemish and year after year after year after year. We've brought our own little lamb. But listen, listen, God has brought his own little lamb. God brought a lamb and his name is Jesus. And John is saying, there he is. There is God's lamb. John was a witness to Jesus Christ. And not, was it, not only was he a witness of who Jesus is, but he was a witness to salvation. 
Behold the Lamb of God, what? Which taketh away the sin of the world. Yeah, He is our Savior. God's Lamb, our Savior. In verse 8, John sets down some facts that he's just a man. He says, I'm not God. Look at verse 8. I'm not the Messiah. He was not that light. This is what John's saying. He's writing this. He's writing this of himself in like third person. He said, but he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. John said, you know what John said later? I'm just a voice. I'm just a voice of one crying in the wilderness. You know what the characteristic of a voice is? It's heard and not seen. John totally removed himself out of the equation and put Jesus right in the center and right in the preeminence of where, his, where he should be. And he says, look to him, not me. I'm just telling you where to go. I'm a director. I'm not the one to, I'm, I'm not the one to, where, where, I'm not the one. You're not coming to me. Okay, that's what I'm trying to say. You're not, you're not to follow me. You're to follow him. You're to follow him. He said, I'm just a man. I'm just a man. By John's own account, the only reason he was on this planet was to prepare a way for Jesus Christ. So Jesus is God. And John is a man. But thirdly, in verse 14, God became a man? Huh. Look at verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God became a man. He was the Word. The Word. It was, he was before the beginning. We saw this. He created all things. We saw this. He continues to sustain all things. Hebrews 1.3, the Bible says, "...who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person..." Speaking of Jesus Christ, listen to this, and upholding all things by the word of His power. You know why this universe continues to spin? Because Jesus says so. You know what's wonderful about that? If Jesus can tell a, in a universe that we cannot, e- I don't know, we can't even, we can't even get to the, to the, to the beginning of, an, of our, or the end of our, own, uh, of our own galaxy, of this own Milky Way to understand it. And it, and it doesn't even show up in the spectrum of the universe. It's so small. And if Jesus has that ability and that power in His Word to say, stay. You don't think He can keep you saved? <laughs> yeah. He sustains all things. The Bible says that He has the power to present us faultless before the throne, and He will. It says, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty... On high, the Word of God is Jesus Christ, and the Word lived a human life. The express image of the Father. That Listen, the Word of God, the thought and the mind of God, that who God is, He put on flesh one day, 2,000 years ago, about six months after John was born to Elizabeth and Zacharias, the angel Gabriel made a visit to a, to a woman named Mary. Can I throw something? You can look at this up this week. Totally, totally off. It makes me it always makes me think of this. I don't think Mary was a little girl. I think she was older. You can go look this up this week. Go study that out. I don't have time. We'll, we'll deal with that at Christmas. It's great, great study. Yeah. 
this angel came to Mary and says, Gabriel comes and says, you're going to have a son. How's that possible? I've not known a man. I'm not married. Anything like that. I'm married, but I'm not married. (laughs) My name is Mary, right? You know, when everything was set in place, when, when God's timing was perfect, and it always is, the second person of the Godhead wrapped himself, think about this, think about this, wrapped himself in the same human flesh he created and lived upon an earth and was born of the Virgin Mary and lived on this earth and became a man. The immaterial word became material flesh. Think of that. The unseen mind of God became a visible man. Galatians 4, 4. But in the fullness of time, well, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. What a wonder. What a wonder that God became man. So that God, so, think about it, so that man could be restored to the relationship that was lost in the garden. And you know, when we think about this, it's, it's not the wonder of it all, isn't it? Isn't, isn't that God has the ability to dwell in a human body? That's nothing. He spoke, the, he spoke everything that is material into existence. That's not a wonder. The wonder is, why would he stoop to such a level to do that? That's the wonder. If, I could, if, if, if you could gather up the nastiest critter that you could think about, would you leave all of the glory of being a human to be forever bound into that body of that nasty creature to make sure they're saved? You ever see a slug? They're pretty nasty, aren't they? Aren't they vile? You ever step on one? Ugh, that's gross. Barefoot, that's even worse. Ugh. This is as real as the fact that God became man. Think of this. Would you leave the glory of your human body and the abilities that you have and everything about you that you have, would you put that aside to become a nasty slug? Do you know what's worse than that? God condescending to human to sinful flesh, is worse than that? And do you realize that Jesus never once again returned to the glory that He had before putting, robing Himself in flesh? He is forever the God-man. He is forever, uh, uh, He will forever wear that human flesh throughout the rest of eternity. How do you know that? We're going to see the scars in His hand. We'll see the scars that, uh, of Calvary that we caused. We will forever be, be uh, present with those, those, those covenantal scars on his wrists and his, and his body. Condescension. What a wonder that God would become a man. It's incredible. But think about this. Number three, the Word lived among us. He didn't know. Jesus just didn't put on a human flesh, go, go ascend up into some mountain and live some ascetic lifestyle, some monastic lifestyle. He, he, was, he, he didn't live on the top of a pole for all of his life. Who was that? Do you remember who that was, Brother Carl? The, uh, Brother Jim, who was that? Uh, the sty... Oh, during the... After the, after the uh, 
organization of, of Catholicism in about 325 A.D. You got a lot of people that came out of the monastic life, so they're monks, and they believed in asceticism. They believed that that uh, afflicting the body would get them, make them righteous before God. And uh, there was one man who lived on a pole for like 30 or 40 years, trying to gain favor of God. Some lived in a um, uh, lifestyle of monks, and they would go out and, and they'd live away from everybody, which is totally contrary to the gospel. <laughs> no, wait, Jesus didn't do that. He could have done everything in hiding and secured our redemption and gone away without the rejection, without having to touch human, without having to get involved with relationships. But no, He lived among us, the Bible says. He was made flesh and He lived among us. Listen to John chapter, 1 John chapter 1, 1 through 3. That which was from the beginning, listen to what John says, that which we have heard, they heard Jesus personally, which we have seen with our eyes, they saw Him physically, which we have looked upon, they trusted Him, and our hands have handled, they touched Him. He was real. He wasn't a spirit. He was a human being. Of the Word of life, for the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. Jesus Christ dwelt among them. That which we have seen and heard declare unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is God. John is a man. But God became a man. And the mind of God, the mind of God created a body, not of the Adamic nature. See, unlike John's birth, John was born with the nature of his father, Adam. God created a fleshly body, not after the Adamic nature, but His own body. It was human. It was a human body, but it did not have the nature of Adam. Instead, within that human body existed the nature of God, the second person of the Godhead, Jesus Christ Himself. You know, as humans, you know it's not natural to focus on the container it's not natural to focus on the container, but to rather focus on what the container contains. Let me give you an example. We don't go, wow, what a, what a jar, jar for milk that is. Look at that jar. Whoo. Well, now, look at that jug. That's a great jug. Look at that jug. Look at it. Now, there are some pretty cool jars of old jars of milk, okay? But, but if you're wanting milk, you don't focus on the jar. You focus what the jar contains, right? What it contains. Like a can of soup. Yeah, me and uh, me and Brother Dean were just talking about clam chowder. He says he's got a good stock of that. Cans of clam chowder, good stuff. Put enough black pepper on it, it's really good. A little bacon, that's even better. Yeah, but I don't look at the can and go, man, that's a beautiful. Well, I do. I do like cans of soup because I use them for paint cans now. But that's something different. If I want soup, I don't focus on the can, right? What's in the can is what my focus is. If I want cereal, which I don't eat, but if I want cereal, I don't focus. You you won't focus on the box, though. I do like boxes of cereal because their design is incredible. Those those graphic artists are awesome. But that's not. If I want cereal, I'm not focusing on the box. Listen, if I want eternal life and to be reconciled back to God, the focus isn't on the human flesh. The focus is what is inside that human body of Jesus Christ, which is the very nature of God, which is life itself. Light. 
You see, that, that some people, it, it's so easy for us as humans to focus on the body and think of Jesus as just another man. But it is possible people can't understand the hypostatic union. There's a good theological term. They don't understand the impeccability of Christ. How is it that Jesus could be all human and yet be uh, not have the ability to sin? And some people say, well, he had the ability to sin. I say, no, it's not possible for Jesus to have the ability to, to sin because, number one, he didn't have an Adamic nature. And number two, God can't sin. So if he takes this outer shell, this human flesh that that we call our physical body and he gets inside of that and only he dwells in there listen that this thing here is not sinning it's not happening it's not possible why because god is in that fleshly body that was jesus christ very god god himself you see what made jesus of nazareth unlike any human before or after him was that in that body resided not a soul after the, the nature of Adam, but in that body resided God, God himself. Yeah. So Jesus is God. John is a man. Jesus became a man. Do you believe that? Yeah. You know much of the world doesn't believe that? They can't believe they, they just won't. They refuse to. They refuse to believe it. Yeah. Jesus is God. Why don't we stand this morning? We'll bring this to a close.